Maybe we can finish Nehemiah before the election. How's that? <laughs> we should be able to. Just want to have some fun today looking at chapter 9. And I want you to help me preach Nehemiah chapter 9 today. So anyone who is willing, all you have to do is read. And Sarah, I'm in the New King James Version. By the way, thank you so much, Nathan, for helping me out this morning, and Micah, and Sarah. Um, I'm going to bring this... Uh, wet dry board here. Um, can everyone see this? You can see it? You see it okay? We're just going to make a few notes. This is one of the songs in scripture. You may be familiar with some of the famous songs in scripture. Dave, you want to have that as, as long as it picks up the sound, it'll be okay. Um, you know, you may be familiar with the song of Hannah, Hannah's song and Samuel, and then there's Mary's song, the Magnificat, and in Luke chapter 2, and there's Miriam's song by the Red Sea, the song of Moses, and um, there's a song of David and the Psalms, it's actually called that, although the whole entire Psalms is pretty much a collection of songs. But this is actually has been referred to as the Song of the Levites. And we talked a few weeks ago about who the Levites were. And so we've come to the place in our story where the people have opened up the law of God. They have read it, and it has driven them to their knees in repentance. And I'm so glad repentance has come up this morning. And I love that quote. Repentance, repentance, repentance is the runway... Where, where God, for God to land. I love that. Repentance is the runway for God to land. And so that's really what's happening here in the book of Nehemiah at this point in our story. And so actually at this point for three weeks, the people have been repenting and crying out to God um, for mercy and just re they're, they're actually experiencing revival. And this chapter is, is just a really good chapter. What is happening here in this song, this chapter that we're going to read together, is the people are recounting who God is to them and what he is, what he has done. Who God is and what he has done. And you know, so many times in our lives, if you can relate to this, when I'm going through a hard time, I have to remember who God is and what he has done. That is the antidote for discouragement and despair. Because listen, listen, you can relate to this. Have you ever had someone get mad at you over some teeny little thing? Maybe you accidentally offended them. I'm just, you know, making this up as an example. But it happens to all of us. Maybe you accidentally offended someone, you know, and, and they're, they're really mad at you. And maybe they're just going to write you off altogether. And you th have you ever thought to yourself, if only they could remember all the good I've done for them. Like, why can't remember that one time when I did this huge thing for them? Have you ever had that thought? We all have, right? We've all had, like, and wouldn't it be amazing if we could do that with each other? Like, remember the good more than the bad, because the good far outweighs the bad in the family of God, doesn't it? At least it should. Well, you know where we get that feeling from? We're made in the image of God. And I wonder how often 
when we are complaining and murmuring against God, why are you letting all this happen to me? Why is my life so bad? Why is everything going wrong? Now, why did this happen? I can't understand why God's making me go through this. I wonder if God ever says, wow, what about what I've done for you? I've given you an eternity to look forward to, for starters, an eternity with me, including riches beyond human description and ability to comprehend, and all the provision and blessings and guidance. So we're going to look at that. That's what this chapter is about. So this is what I want to do. We are going to recount for ourselves in this time that Walt's talking about, in this perilous time, it is good for the church to think on what God is, who he is, and what he has done. So let's encourage each other through this chapter. We're just going to take section by section, and whoever wants to volunteer can just come up, and the words will be on the screen, and you can just read what's on the screen. And then, if you would like, uh, you can comment on it mm, briefly, because we want to be, not be here till 1.30. But you, <laughs> I mean, the sh I'm not, the sharing was wonderful this morning. I'm just saying, let's, let's keep rolling along so that everybody has a chance. But um, what we're going to do is come up with a list of who God is and what he has done and who he is so that the Israelites are revisiting who God is to them from the time of Abraham when God first called Abraham. So I would like to know if uh, someone would like to come up and read Nehemiah chapter 9, starting with verse 5 through 5 and 6, two verses. Nehemiah chapter 9, 5 and 6. And if you don't want to pronounce a bunch of names, just say these people. That's okay. You, you can do that. You can say these people. So Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 5 and uh, 6. Anybody? If not, I'm just going to do this whole thing. You have to keep listening to my voice. And it'll be on you. <laughs> okay, Diane. Remember, you can say these people if you don't want to pronounce all the names. Verse 6. Perfect. All right, you can put it right down there. So first of all, we know that God, they, we, they are acknowledging God as the creator. It's always good when we approach God in prayer to start off worshiping him for who he is. 
He's the creator of all things. Okay, very good. Good commentary. All right, Nehemiah 9. Now we want to do verses 7 and 8. 7 and 8. Yes, he is faithful, and he demonstrated that faithfulness as our covenant maker. And so they are remembering God not only as their creator, but their covenant maker. And covenant, a covenant is the most binding agreement that, two pe- that a person can make to the other person. And uh, so he's re- they're recalling God as covenant maker with Abraham. All right. Next up is uh, verses, let's see. Let's do, um, let's do 9, 10, and 11. 9, 10, and 11. Yes, yes, Uh, those are all synonymous with the word I'm thinking of, our deliverer. He is our deliverer, so they're recalling how he delivered them from the Egyptians, which of course symbolize Jesus delivering us from our sins on the cross. Boy, my writing is bad. Can you read that? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Very good. All right. Now we are going to read um, uh, just verse 12. One verse. Verse 12. Who wants to come read verse 12? All right. There you go. Oh, let me... Very good. Thank you. All right. Oh. Wasn't on. You heard him, right? What word comes to mind there? Who is God to us in this verse? Yep. 
guide, yeah, same, same thing, a guiding light, we could say. The thing that I love about uh, the thought of God guiding the people through the wilderness with a with fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day is not only were those guiding forces, but they were protection because they were in the wilderness. So the fire kept them warm at night because it's a desert and the cloud shielded them from the sun in the day, which means to me that the, we, <laughs> you need, we need God, God's guidance in our life for our protection. His guidance will protect us from going the wrong way. Okay, he's our guide. <clears throat> now let's look at... <clears throat> Uh, verses 13 and 14. 13 and 14. Who wants to come read two verses? In fact, I would say if you know you want to read next for the sake of time, just come up and wait. <laughs> Anybody want to read two verses, 13 and 14? All right, we're going to move along, so I'm going to read those. Uh, 13, you came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses, your servant. Does the word come to mind here? God is our truth. Oh, I like that. Teacher, I was thinking of the word standard, but these are all good. I'm going to go with truth. There is only one truth. I'm going to say standard. And if you put that, well, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, we'll get to the reason why I capitalized truth. We will get to that. All right, would anyone like to read verse 15? All right. This, uh, is it? There, now it is. Okay. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought them water out of the rock for their thirst and told them to go in to spots up the land Amen. You can just set it right there. Yes. He is our provider, our sustainer. I'm running out of room. Provider. All right. Verse 16 and 17. Anybody? All right. There's the microphone. This verse, oh, go ahead, sorry. Okay. 
Who is God in this verse? Amen. What we're going to see, and I'm just going to read the rest of this chapter, what we are going to see over and over and over again, and this next descriptor of God encapsulates everything else that he is, that he is a good father. These scriptures in this passage, this song celebrates the character of God. It celebrates the character of the one true God. It shows us his heart because you'll see that no matter how many times his children ran and disobeyed and rebelled, he keeps coming back to them with graciousness, long-suffering, compassion. But we're going to see the price that they paid for their continued running So it shows the character of God. He's a good father. And of course, a good father uh, is a deliverer, a protector, a defender, a guide. A good father does hold up a standard for his children to live by. And a good father does provide for his children. So in verse 18, it says, even when they made a molded calf for themselves and said, this is your God that brought you out of Egypt. Here they are worshiping this brazen idol and they worked great provocations. Verse 19 says, yet in your manifold mercies, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. That's fascinating to me. They're worshiping this golden calf. And it says, yet you did not forsake them. What a God, what a heart. The pillar of cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way they should go. You also gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth. Here's the continued guidance, the continued provision. It's all continuing in the midst of their rebellion. You gave them water for their thirst. Verse 21, 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. Moreover, you gave them kingdoms and nations and divided them into districts, so they took possession of the land of Zion, the land of of the king of Heshbon, the land of Og, king of Bashan. You also multiplied their children as the stars of heaven. Here is God keeping his covenant with Abraham. You brought them into the land which you had told their fathers to go in and possess. So the people went in and possessed the land. You subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land, that they might do to them as they wish. They took strong cities and a, a, and a rich land and possessed houses full of all goods, cisterns already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. 
So they ate and were filled and grew fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. When we are at that place in our life where God is blessing abundantly and we are delighting ourselves in God's great goodness, that is a time where we need to be so careful to stay close to God in worship, in worship, because our hearts, that is where our hearts can become so proud and puffed up, and we can believe the lie that says we can do this on our own without God. So verse 26 says, Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you, cast your law behind their backs, and killed your prophets who testified against them to turn them to yourself, and they worked great provocations. Are we seeing great provocations being worked in our society today? <laughs> yes. Therefore, verse 27 says, therefore you delivered them into the hand of their enemies. Wow. Therefore you delivered them into the hand of their enemies who oppressed them. And in the time of their trouble, here's the roller coaster, you see. In the time of their trouble, when they cried to you, what did God do? Does he say, that's it, I'm done. I'm done with y'all. <laughs> that enough. No, he's a good father. We're exploring the character and nature of God. In the time of their trouble, when they cried to you, you heard from heaven. And according to your abundant mercies, see, it's never according to our ability to try harder. At never. It's always according to his abundant mercies. You gave them deliverers who saved them from the hand of their enemies. What's so fascinating to me about this one verse? In this one singular verse, it starts out saying, God delivered them into the hand of their enemies. And in the same breath, it says, he delivered them from the hand of their enemies. Think of that. How is that possible? How does a good father in the one hand, in the, in the one hand, deliver someone, his children, into the hand of their enemies, and in the other hand, sends deliverers to save them from the hand of their enemies? You know, it reminds me of a parent. Any halfway decent, good, caring, loving parent knows what it's like to get to raise the standard. Uphold the truth to his or her children. Say, this is, the, this is the way. Walk ye in it. And what does that child do? That child pushes the boundaries, tests the parent continually, makes idols, goes their own way, rebels, runs away, runs away from the goodness of the father. And because the father's character and heart are good and merciful and long-suffering, he's always there ready to pour out mercy and show abundant mercy and compassion. But after some time, eventually, that good parent is going to realize, because I love this child, and because my heart is so set on relationship with this child, I can no longer attempt to raise the standard. Now I have to let this child go and learn the hard way. And it's grievous and heartbreaking heartbreaking to that good parent with a good heart. But what does the parent do? When the child's ready and comes back and says, I'm sorry, I blew it, I'm an idiot, that good parent raises deliverers who saves them from the hand of their enemies. Okay, 
I'm so glad you're back. I love you. I miss you. I want a relationship with you. And that's what's going on here. Verse 28 says, after they had rest, do you see a pattern here? After they had rest, they again did evil before you. Therefore, you left them in the hands of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried out to you, you heard from heaven. And many times, many times you delivered them according to your mercies and testified against them that you might bring them back to your law. That word testified against them in the original Hebrew text, it literally means admonished them that you might bring them back to your law. So God, in his wise character, has this wise, amazing ability to know when to let go and say, okay, have it your way, and when to admonish and say, you know, this is really, this is really the way to human flourishing. This is really what I want for you. Yet they acted proudly and did not heed your commandments but sinned against your judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. And this, ver this part jumps out at me. It's so interesting. It says, and they shrugged their shoulders, stiffened their necks, and would not hear. See, it's so easy, isn't it, for you and I to point the finger at someone sinning some gross, overt, horrible sin that you can label and categorize? And yet, the problem with God's people here is that they simply shrugged their shoulders. It's not that they were necessarily all, always worshiping some idol or doing some horrible, hideous thing. They just were indifferent. They were indifferent to a relationship with this good, good father. It says they shrugged their shoulders. And that led to a stiffening of the neck. Look, a shrugging of the shoulder leads to a stiffening of the neck. And they would not hear. Yet for many years you had patience with them and testified against them, that is, admonished them by your spirit and your prophets, yet they would not listen. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercy, you did not utterly consume them nor forsake them. For you are God, and what kind of a God is he? gracious and merciful. Now, therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and awesome God who keeps covenant and mercy, do not let all the trouble seem small before you that has come upon us. This is such a really good prayer to pray right now <laughs> as we approach November 2020. Do not let, where am I? Do not let the trouble seem small to you that has come upon us. Our kings and our princes, our government, our priests and our prophets, our churches, our fathers and all your people, from the days of the kings of Assyria until this day. However, you are just in all that has befallen us. And this sums up this chapter. This is their prevailing thought right here. For you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. This is a prayer on behalf of a sinful nation. You have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. 
Neither our kings nor our princes, our priests nor our fathers have kept your law. What I hear in this verse right here in verse 34 is it's, it's every, everybody from the government to the church. We have not kept your law nor heeded your commandments and your testimonies which you testified against them. For they have not served you in their kingdom or in the many good things that you gave them or in the large and rich land which you set before them. Nor did they turn from their wicked works. And they conclude their prayer this way. Here we are, servants today. See, that God had called them into this land to inherit, and here they are, they're, they're captive. They were supposed to possess this land and rule it and take dominion over it and enjoy the fruit of the land, and here they've been taken to the exile. And now they're being ruled and dominated by these Persian kings. Here we are, servants today. And the land that you gave to our fathers to eat its fruit and its bounty, it turns out we're servants in it. In Romans 6.16, there's a verse that says, To whomever you give yourselves as slaves to obey, that one slave you are. And verse 37 says, The land yields much increase to the kings you have set over us. Because of our sins. Whoa. The kings you have set over us because of our sins. Wow, we need to beg God for mercy. If God can put people in government over a nation because of their sins and their idolatry and rebellion, he can do it again. But what are we learning here? He's a good and merciful and faithful God, and he hears us when, he cry, when we cry out to him in repentance. And we can do that on behalf of a nation and on behalf of his church. It yields much increase to the kings you have set over us because of our sins. Also, yet they have dominion over our bodies and our cattle at their pleasure. Wow! Are we not sensing kind of a dominion over our bodies right now? This is amazing. There's a reason God had us go through this book, and he is working out the time of it perfectly. It's not me. I'm like, wow, God, that's pretty cool. At their pleasure, and we are in great distress. Hashtag 2020. And because of all this, in our final verse today, because of all this, because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it. Our leaders, our Levites, and our priests, notice the church, the church. We remember the covenant. The covenant was with the God's people. It's not with some nation. Let's get that clear. The covenant, covenant God made with his people. So it's God's people returning to the covenant he made through Abraham to his children and their, the, the message here is we are returning and we are remembering who you are and we are so sorry and we repent for, for running from this good, good father who created the universe, who's the covenant maker, who does not break his covenant, who delivered us and will deliver us, who guides us and will continue to guide us, who is our truth and our standard, the only truth, the only standard. He is our provider. He will continue 
continue to provide all of our needs. And finally, the last thought for today, everything. I've been convicted about this lately. Everything goes back to Jesus. He's the center of it all. Jesus came to show us who the Father is. Jesus, it says in, in uh, Proverbs 8 and Colossians 1, Jesus was there in the beginning with God. He's the co-creator. Jesus is the creator. He's the, he's the co-creator of the universe. Jesus bled and died to seal the covenant God made with his people. Jesus delivered us on the cross from sin, from an eternity of damnation, and from our sinful selves, from our sinful nature. He delivered us on the cross. His Holy Spirit is here to guide us. Jesus is truth with a capital T. When you say that truth is Jesus, it's a person, it's objective. There's no disputing it. Jesus is our standard, he is our provider, and he showed us by his life and his death the long-suffering, ever-merciful, covenant-keeping, compassionate God. The heart of the Father God was there on the cross in Jesus. It says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we can be encouraged during this time. We can be encouraged. We get to be the ones that can learn from this and look back to the covenant through of Abraham and look at all that God has done and all that he is and say, yes, we are returning, we are repenting, and we are clinging to this wonderful, amazing God. Amen. Father, thank you so much for this time we've been able to spend together this morning. Thank you for your words spoken in every way today, through song, through prayer, through exhortation, and through your written inspired word. We are encouraged. We thank you and we praise you and we love you. You are a good, good father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be dismissed.